Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Mama Mystery. I am your host, Kelly. And I am your co-host, Austin. And we're back for another Murder Monday episode. Is it a Monday episode? Yeah, this is a Monday episode. Our Patreons will be getting it early, so it'll be a Saturday night episode for them. Oh, dang. Oh, dang. Hope you guys have a good week. Yes. Speaking of Patreons, we have some new ones to shout out. So... Rachel Ross, Cassandra, I forget every time that you want to do this. Let's start over. Rachel Ross, Rachel, Cassandra Simpson, Simpson, Cheyenne Miller, Miller, Stephanie McGrath, McGrath, Jesse Colt, Jesse, Stephanie Kanzler, oh yeah, and Holly Roche. How about that? Rush. Hey, thanks everybody. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Um, I just, I don't even know what to say. You guys are just so great. Um, some exciting news. I don't know exactly how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, but the subscription, um, like company, I guess called hunt a killer reached out and they want to work together to, um, like promote their, their murder mystery box. It's like a monthly, I think it's monthly or um, quarterly subscription box. And you get this box with clues to a murder and like you have to solve it yourself. Anyway, I'm super excited to learn more about it and to work with them because I love that kind of stuff. Heck yeah. I think I'd be a good crime solver. Will, will you do it with me? Sure. Will you really? Sure. You know what else I really want to do? I really want to go to an escape room. I would do that. Would you really? Yeah, as long as I can bring a gun. I don't think they'll let you bring a gun. Then I won't be doing it. All right. Well, if anyone else wants to go with me, let me know. And I'd be happy to go. But you can't bring your gun, Austin. You don't know that. (laughs) All right. So today we are talking about the disappearance of Amy Lynn Bradley. So this story begins in March of 1998, when Ron Bradley, an insurance executive, won a cruise vacation through his work. Are we in America, or where are we at? Yeah, they're from Virginia. Okay. So he took his family, which included his wife, Iva, and his two kids, Amy and Brad. And I had to double check, because his name is Brad Bradley. Brad Bradley. Bradley Bradley. Okay. Interesting sense of humor. Um, So anyway, there's that. At the time, Amy was 23 years old and her brother Brad was 21. Amy was super close with her younger brother Brad. They spent a lot of time together and had a really tight bond. Amy had just graduated from Longwood University where she played basketball on a scholarship. And just a side note, she was actually the first student at this university to receive a full-ride scholarship for basketball. Cool. So she's pretty good. 
Prior to the vacation, the family was super excited. Amy prepared by tanning prior to the trip, and she did have some anxiety over traveling, but it wasn't going to stop her from going on this cruise. She just kind of had a little bit of a fear of flying. Um, she was nervous about the ocean and like what was in the ocean, and I can relate to that. I've been on cruises before, and it is kind of when you really sit back and you think about like the vast depths of the ocean. Yeah, it's terrifying. And how little you are, like you're a speck in the middle of the world. Yeah. I watched this, um, I think it was like a TikTok that showed you just how deep the ocean really is. And it put it in relation to like the Empire State Building and like all these different measurements. And I felt myself getting really anxious watching it because I was just like, Jesus Christ. It's like, kind of just... fascinating. Yeah, you don't know how low it really goes. Mm-hmm. Um you know what else baffles me? This is a little bit of a sidetrack, but is those pictures of icebergs and it shows you like the how it looks above water and how big it is below water. So like mm-hmm. what you see on the surface compared to what's underneath it. Oh my God, it like scares me. Scares you? Yeah, I don't know why I get like scared when I see it. It's just crazy to think of something that massive and like what's underneath. I I picture when you say that, I picture those motivational posters that are like complete cheesy 1998 like a little kitten hanging from a tree and it says just hang in there i've never seen that one (laughs) (laughs) never seen that one it exists okay and it's just hanging there by one paw and i'm like somebody grab this cat he's gonna fall but it's like hang in there perseverance (laughs) let's get into the show (laughs) sorry guys okay Anyway, so the Royal Caribbean ship, Rhapsody of the Seas, was set to take off from Puerto Rico. So the family had to fly there first to board the ship. And if you've ever been on a cruise, you know a lot of these ports have shops. And right before Amy got on board, she bought a postcard to send to her friend. And it said something along the lines of like, hey girl, it's gorgeous here. We leave for Aruba tomorrow and I'll be home Saturday around 10. So... The family gets on the ship, and it takes off on March 21st of 1998. The first stop was Aruba the following day. The whole family got off the ship, explored Aruba, did some shopping, and was back on the boat by the end of the day. That evening, they all went to dinner, and Amy's mom, Iva, took notice of people admiring Amy. She said, quote, I remember people watch, would watch her, admi- oh my gosh, admiringly, and I felt proud, end quote. One of the waiters during their dinner actually approached Amy's mom and asked her if Amy would be interested in going to a club off the boat in Aruba that night, but Amy said she was not interested. So after dinner, Ron and Iva go have some drinks with some work friends while Brad and Amy go to change into like some less formal clothes and explore the boat. Because if you've ever been on a cruise, they have like these big ballrooms and they have like formal nights while you're on the ship and so like you dress really formal it's like a city yeah and then they'll like take your picture before you go have dinner and it's just like you know really bougie but anyway so they had like their formal night and they went and changed into some more comfortable clothes they hit up the casino and actually won some money and then later they met back up with their parents on one of the top decks where they all decided they were going to go to a club on the deck for a limbo contest So the club was called Calypso, and the band playing that night was a band called Blue Orchid. They partook in the limbo contest, and Brad actually won that night. 
So Ron and, Ron and Iva eventually decided to call it, a, call it a night while Brad and Amy stayed out. Amy started chatting with the Blue Orchid bassist, whose name is Alistair Douglas, but he goes by the name Yellow. And if you're wondering why he goes by the name Yellow, it's apparently something down in the Caribbean. They refer to like light-skinned mixed people as Yellow. Hmm. So Amy and Yellow... Cancel culture wouldn't like that. Yeah, well, anyway... Amy and Yellow hit it off, and there is actually video footage of them dancing together that night at the club. And in some of the footage, you can actually see Yellow dancing behind Amy with his hands on her hips. So they're kind of like grinding a little bit, and it's flirtatious dancing for sure. Amy had been drinking that night, so she was just letting loose. Around 2.45 a.m., Ron wakes up and notices that Brad and Amy are still not in the room. So he goes to Club Calypso, sees Brad dancing with a bunch of girls, and sees Amy talking to the bass player. So he goes back to their room. Brad comes back to the room about an hour later. Amy comes in behind him about 15 minutes after him. So Brad and Amy go out to the balcony of their room to smoke a cigarette. They talked about the night, the ocean, their plans to jet ski the following day in Curacao. And Brad ends up going to bed, but Amy stays on the balcony for a little bit longer. 5.30 a.m., Ron wakes up and notices that Amy is still on the balcony. He sees her legs and assumes that she probably just fell asleep on the balcony, so he just leaves her alone. They were all going to get up soon anyway to get ready for the day, so he goes back to sleep, and when he wakes up about 30 minutes later, he notices that Amy is gone. Her cigarettes and lighter were gone, but her shoes were still there. She didn't leave a note, and she was um, known for leaving notes. So he just assumed that since she's shoeless and there was no note, she'd probably just be right back, and you know maybe she went up to the top deck to take some pictures or drink some coffee or grab breakfast. But about an hour passes, and she still hadn't come back. So he wakes up Brad and Iva, tells them Amy is gone, and he can't find her anywhere. The boat was literally just pulling up to Curacao, so she could not have gotten off yet. They actually go to the ship's captain and tell them they can't find her anywhere, and they beg and plead with them not to let anyone off the boat yet until they find her. They're begging them to to perform this protocol where everyone goes to their muster stations so they can figure out who is and isn't accounted for. Do you remember on our cruise when we all had to like go to this designated area? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's what that is. But the captain shuts them down. He says he doesn't want to worry the passengers, so they're not even going to make an announcement, let alone lock the doors to the port. That's wild. So the, the captain agreed to have some employees search the boat, but he was still going to allow people to leave the boat. And at around 8 a.m., the only announcement that was ever made was, well, Amy Bradley, please come to the purser's desk. And for those of you who don't know, a purser is an officer on a ship who keeps the accounts. I did not know that. I had to look it up. So the family is searching this massive cruise ship as best they can on their own. And just for some perspective on how big this ship actually is, the Rhapsody of the Seas has 12 decks and is capable of carrying 2,400 passengers and 765 crew members. There are over 1,000 staterooms for guests 18 bars and restaurants, two pools, six whirlpools, tons of other activity areas. So finding Amy on this enormous ship 
when people are actively leaving is a huge undertaking. So while they're searching for Amy, Brad runs into Alistair, or Yellow, and Yellow says, hey man, sorry to hear about your sister. But this was before the announcement was made over the intercoms. So at this point, only the security and Amy's family knew that Amy was missing. Whoa. Did he pick up on that? Who? Brad. Yeah. He picked up on that? He, he said that whenever? Yes, because he went and told his parents <clears throat> that he ran into him and that that's what he said. So as news spread about Amy's disappearance, two girls came forward to say that they saw Amy and Yellow at about 5.30 a.m. walking up to the disco. But after an extensive search, the team said they believed she was not on the boat and told the Bradley family that they'd probably be better off searching in Curacao because the ship was going to leave Curacao with or without them that day. And that's the thing about cruise ships. Like, they get fined big if they stay in a port. Yeah. So when it's time for them to go, they are leaving. They don't care if someone's running, hauling ass down a port to hop on the boat at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. They will leave you. They don't mess around. Can you around. imagine getting left in a country? No, I've seen videos of people, you know, like people from the balcony just recording people running on the port trying to catch their ship at the end of the day. <sighs> and the ship takes off and they're just left in that port. What and they would have you to- even do? You have to figure it out. I mean, what if you didn't have like your money or some of like your passport? If you left your passport in your stateroom, you're you're screwed. Man, yeah, that's wild. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I was on a cruise once where that happened. Where there were people running down the port, and um, I honestly don't remember if they ended up making it on or not. But I just remember thinking, like, Jesus, that's what wild. a stressful situation. So. The Bradley family packs up their stuff and gets off the boat, and they book a room at a hotel in Curacao to begin the search for Amy. They're calling their family back home to let them know what was going on, and on the following day, authorities in Curacao began the search for Amy on land, in the air, and in the water. They pulled out all the stops to try and search for Amy. They found nothing, no sign of Amy. Back in the U.S., Iva gets a hold of her brother, John, and he gets the FBI involved, who determined that the cruise ship did not, in fact, search the ship in depth. They only searched the common areas, and that was it. So they didn't search any staterooms. They made it sound like they searched high and low, every nook and cranny, but they didn't. The Bradleys were so pissed they got on a flight, and you have to think, too, the Bradleys just wasted all that time in Curacao when their daughter was likely still on the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, so they got on a flight to meet the Rhapsody of the Seas at their next port, which was in St. Thomas, so that they could confront the captain of the ship. The FBI conducts a search on the boat on their own, and they, of course, do a, an extensive search They hand out pictures of Amy to every single passenger, and they make an announcement over the intercom, all things that should have been done in the first place, right off the bat. They also get a hold of Yellow, and they interview him, since his whole involvement in the story is just super sketchy. They ask him to do a polygraph test, and he complies, and when he finishes the test, he comes out of the room, sees Amy's family, and gives two thumbs up because he passed. He told them that he had never seen Brad, or asked him about his sister. He had no idea where she was or what happened to her. And apparently he passed. Just no conscious? You know, that's the thing about polygraphs. I mean, it's not an exact science. It is, you know, I think it's dependable. 
Um, but I mean, hmm. what else can you do when somebody passes a test? Like what else can you, what else can you do? Mm-hmm. So, um, they also asked the ship for any pictures they have of Amy. So earlier I mentioned that, you know, they'll take pictures of people on formal night and they, they usually have, you know, photographers that travel around the boat taking pictures of passengers in hopes that you'll buy one at the end of your trip. And each passenger is identified and given a number to refer to. So when they went and asked for any pictures that might have Amy in them, they were gone. Of all the passengers on the boat, her pictures were the only ones that were missing. That's weird. Isn't that weird? So they're, of course, thinking there's like some sort of conspiracy. Like, what the hell is going on? Why are you guys being so difficult to work with? Like, why are you hiding her pictures? Yeah, it sounds like the whole, like a big conspiracy against this person. Mm -hmm. It's like that movie or that TV show where the plane disappears. Oh, Lost? Yeah. Yeah. I've never watched it, but I Me know. neither, but like the gist or of it. Or maybe I think Manifest is another one. Anyway, the crazy situation. So the Bradleys eventually went home on March 28th when their trip was set to have ended. But they continued their search and their mission to get the word out about Amy by doing interviews with national news stations, tying yellow ribbons to trees to try to keep people's minds on Amy. Then they get a phone call from a Spanish-speaking cab driver who said that he was at the port in Puerto Rico and saw Amy being taken off the boat by a man and forced into a cab. And this would have been four days after her disappearance and would mean that she had been on the boat the entire time being held captive. Gosh, this one is strange. Mm -hmm. They give this tip to the FBI, but after eight months, the Bradleys found out that the FBI had done nothing with that lead. So in April, Brad and Ron went back to the island to try to look for Amy themselves with no luck. Where would you even look? Like, can you imagine that? Let's go to this, let's go to this island. This foreign place. And look for her? Yeah. Like, we lost our dog for a few hours when we're driving around looking for her, and I felt like that was a needle in a haystack. You're talking about finding a person in a foreign country? Mm Mm-hmm. And all this time has gone by, and the ship has been to multiple other ports. So how do you know she's for sure in Curacao or not in St. Thomas? Or I don't know if if it had any other stops. Those are the only ones I know of. Um, But yeah, like where do you even begin? So I guess at one point while they were down there, Brad thought he heard Amy's voice coming from a cab. And so they tried following that cab, but there was nothing. There was like, it didn't lead to anything. Mm -hmm. So, meanwhile, a man named David Carmichael, a wealthy Canadian who had just finished scuba diving with a group on a beach near the Curacao port, was cleaning his gear with the group when he saw a woman on the beach being followed by two men. So she's kind of walking ahead of them, and they're just kind of like tracking her. David said that The woman must have noticed that he was speaking English because she started rushing over towards him. But right before she got to David, the two men rushed up to her, pulled her aside and like kind of brought her into this nearby cafe. So David followed them into the cafe and he kind of felt like David's the scuba diver. Yeah. He follows them into the cafe because he feels like something shady is going on. And he starts just taking mental notes. He notices that she has a scar on her right shin, a tattoo on her ankle, and a Tasmanian devil tattoo on her left shoulder. 
Well, Amy has a tattoo of a Tasmanian devil spinning a basketball on her left shoulder. Holy shit. She also has a tattoo on her ankle. Like everything lined up. And where is this at? This was in Curacao. So at the time, David didn't even know about Amy. He didn't put it all together until he was watching an episode of Unsolved Mysteries and Amy Bradley was showcased, but he said he is 100% sure that he saw Amy that day. Oh my gosh. So in the fall of 1999, the Bradley family hired their own private investigator. Uh, It's a man named Frank Jones, former member of American Special Forces, he told the Bradleys that the Colombian gang or some Colombian gangsters were holding Amy on the island of Curacao and that he knew exactly where she was because he knew um, a cook down there who accurately described Amy's tattoos and even a lullaby that she heard Amy sing, which was the same lullaby that Iva sang to her when she was little. Oh my goodness, this one... This is nuts. So I keep thinking of Gone Girl, the movie. Mm-hmm. Or not Gone Girl. Um, taken. Taken. Because mm-hmm. the chick gets taken and sex trafficked. And mm-hmm. like you think about that, that stuff happens all the time. Yeah. It's scary as hell. So scary. I just keep hoping that you're going to tell me this ends with her being found. <sighs> Go. Okay, so um, two other former Navy SEALs were sent to Curacao to find Amy based on all this information. Frank Jones told the Bradleys that... Um, He needed money to pay for the actual armed rescue, but the Bradleys wanted concrete proof before they gave him the money. So Frank showed them a photo of a woman that they believed to be Amy with the matching tattoos and everything. So they gave him what totaled out to be $210,000. 210 grand? They Mm -hmm. gave this private investigator? Yeah, to go, to go retrieve Amy. 210 grand? Mm Mm-hmm. The Bradley family was instructed to fly. Wait, 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 hold on. Why did the guy need 210 grand? To pay for the armed forces, I guess, that it was going to take. And also to, to pay for his time and his travel to get down there. Like, all these things. Because he, he, I guess he was just an independent private inge- investigator. And this is the picture he had of her? He had a picture of her? Yeah. How do you get the picture? Um, probably from a source that he had down there. Okay. I mean, I'm sure that's what he said. I don't know. Right. But... Um, The Bradley family was instructed to fly to Florida and wait for a call from Frank as soon as Amy was recovered. So they waited in a hotel for a week before they finally get a call from one of Frank's associates that was helping out. This associate had to break the news to the Bradley's family that he had been duped by Frank Jones, and so had the Bradley's. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. Frank never had eyes on Amy, and the picture he showed them of Amy was fabricated. Oh, my gosh. He was As never, if this family hadn't been kicked enough. Yeah. He was never in the special forces. There was never any Colombian gang connection, no surveillance, nothing. It was all a fucking scam. Oof. Can you imagine, like, what a piece of trash human being to... To exploit a vulnerable family like that. Mm -hmm. That is horrible. It made me so angry when I was reading. And then $210,000. So he eventually pled guilty to mail fraud and got a five-year sentence. And he was ordered to pay the money back. I don't know if he actually ever did or not. So So he's free. Yeah. Gosh. In 2005, a woman named Judy Maurer was in Bridgetown, Barbados, 
in a women's restroom stall when she suddenly heard two men loudly enter the bathroom and begin screaming and threatening a woman in a different stall. So Judy waited for a few minutes and then exited the stall to find a very upset woman hunched over the sink area. The woman allegedly told Judy that her name was Amy and that she was from Virginia. Seconds later, the two men re-entered the bathroom and forcibly removed Amy. Um, And then Judy provided the FBI with descriptions of the two men and the woman. Amy from Virginia strongly resembled the two online photos that were sent around the same time to the Bradleys. So that same year, in 2005, an email was sent to the Bradleys. Um, it was actually to like their Bradley family website that they had dedicated to find Amy. This email contained two photographs, and I'm going to put these um, on the Mama Mystery Instagram page so you can see them for yourself. But the photos were from an X-rated website for sex workers, and it shows this person who was given the name Jazz... And she's laying on a bed with some lingerie. She looks really confused and despondent, but she looks a lot like Amy. So the resemblance is frightening. Here, I'm going to show you, Austin. Once you see it, it's difficult to deny that that's Amy. Mm -hmm. Like they had her grow her hair back out. Because this would have been how long later? So this was in 2005, so it would have been about seven years later. Yeah. Yeah, her hair is wild and her but face. But it looks, I mean, all the facial resemblances with the cheek, the strong cheekbones. Man, that's awful. It looks a lot like Amy. I mean, it's hard to deny it. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, the IP address of this website, like where the pictures came from, wasn't trackable and they have just vanished. Like, we have not been able to trace where those pictures were taken, where they came from, None, nothing. So another disturbing sighting occurred in January of 1999. So I'm going backwards a little bit, but there's a reason. So in 1999, a Navy petty officer claimed to have encountered Amy in a hotel brothel in Curacao. And apparently Amy recognized that he was American and told this individual her name, said that she was being held against her will and asked for help. But unfortunately, the officer kept the information to himself, fearing the repercussions that would come from his solicitation of a sex worker. He only contacted the Bradleys through their website after he retired. So he held on to that information for so long and had this guy... So he was there to have sex. Mm -hmm. She told him that she was being held, blah, 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 mm-hmm. and he held on to the information. Yeah, never told anybody because he was afraid he'd get in trouble for having to admit that he was at a brothel. brothel. And had he just come forward and said something. You, everyone would have found her. Because mm-hmm. he literally was with her. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So since then, she has not been found. What year was that? That Well, that was back in 1999, and I don't know when the information finally came out. I think it was after 2005 because um, he held on to it for years. But the last known information was in 2005 when that photo came out of um, the sex worker that strongly resembles Amy. And since then, there's been no other updates. I guess during a storm, a jawbone washed up on shore um, near, I don't know where, it, it was near where she disappeared. And 
it was assumed that maybe it could have belonged to her because I guess science um, indicated that it belonged to a Caucasian female. And, but they only tested it uh, on Natalie Holloway's DNA or dental records, but they haven't tested it on anyone else. However, the area where it was found, apparently nine other women had gone missing, so it could have belonged to any nine of them. But um, anyway, since then, though, there's been no updates. She has not been found. How old would she be today? Oh, gosh. So she was 23 at the time, and that was in 98. She was born in... Um, so she'd be like 48. Yeah, if if she's still or alive. Or 40, in her 40s. Yeah, gosh. if she's still alive. So there was, of course, the suicide theory. Some people have question, questioned whether or not Amy went overboard and committed suicide. But her family strongly denies this for multiple reasons. First of all, Amy was terrified of the ocean. Even though she was a trained lifeguard, she was terrified of, like, what is in the ocean, like we talked about. And secondly, she made plans about going skiing with them the next day. And she sent that postcard to her friend, letting her know that she'd be home that Saturday. She was about to start a new job that Monday. So... I, I don't believe in the suicide theory. It's possible that she could have fallen accidentally, but that was ruled out later by investigators. There's too many other flags, though, that exactly. make me think that would never have happened. I think it's way more likely that she was taken and that she sex. was held against her will and forced into sex trafficking because it's a very real thing, and it happens everywhere, everywhere. Um I was talking to someone just the other day about, you know, police officers who have to be trained in like sex trafficking and, you know, the warning signs and this and that. And the question was asked how many times a police officer pulls over an adult that has kids in the back, how often they ever talk to the kids. And the police officers were like, we never talk to the kids. Mm-hmm. And can you imagine how many times Maybe there has been like a child or someone in the back seat being held against their will, and you have no idea. Mm-hmm. And they were that close to getting caught. Yes. It's so sad. It is so sad. And I mean, Amy, she's 23. This just goes to show that it's not just kids that get sucked into this world, it's also adults. It can even happen to boys. It's less likely that it happens to boys, but it does happen. I mean, you have to look up the statistics because it is terrifying. It just makes me so scared for my children. That's wild. This was a wild one. Yeah. Super sad and super like just realistic. You know, some cases it's a ballistic lunatic. Right. Some cases it's like just wild off the wall stuff. This just feels like it's so realistic. Yeah. Cause I mean, we've been on cruises. I love going on cruises. It's one of my favorite ways to vacation. Spring break is coming up and there's probably a lot of people planning vacations. I mean, I don't know because of COVID, I'm sure it's way down, but I mean, cruises aren't going to go away. They're still going to exist. And there's been a lot of other crimes on this particular ship. There was another incident where a passenger was raped by a crew member because he came into her room dressed as a bartender or something. And she was I guess she was passed out. I don't know. I only vaguely saw the information, but that's the gist of it. And then, um, I mean, this this kind of thing where people fall overboard or, um, you know, disappear, it happens. It mm-hmm. definitely happens. You have to be aware. Be aware of your sightings. Oh, okay. So the, the last episode, we talked about why 
you know, true crime enthusiasts are into true crime. Mm -hmm. And somebody pointed out that she feels like hearing these stories keeps her safe because she's more aware of what to pay attention to Mm -hmm. and, you know, warning signs and this and that. And she feels safer having heard these stories versus being sheltered from it and not knowing you know, what to look for or how to keep yourself safe. I can see that. So I thought that I, was an interesting take. One time, a long, long time ago, I don't know where, where not, when I learned this, I remember it just stuck in my head till today. But when you're walking somewhere, you should be watching in windows and cars to see the reflections behind you mm-hmm. to see if anybody's coming up behind you. And it's so weird. I heard that forever ago. I think I've talked about it before in here. Yeah. But I've heard it forever on. ago and I always do that now. So like when I'm walking in a store, I'm looking in the glass reflection behind me mm-hmm. for no reason. But I mean, yeah. maybe someday it pays off. Yeah. You make fun of me sometimes for memorizing license plates, but sometimes if I think something's a little sus, oh, I'll I think it's good. memorize at least the first three if I can just keep those in my mind. But right. But yeah, I just, I try to be aware. I've become more aware. It's just speaking of that, I saw a guy walking through a parking lot uh, was of somewhere I am a lot mm-hmm. here recently, and he was super sketchy looking, mm-hmm. and I took multiple pictures of him on my phone. Yeah. And I don't think I would have done that before the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's just, I would rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Like a gun. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, that's all we have for today. We'll be back on Friday. Share it out, everybody, please, and thank you. Mama. Mystery out.